Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Hello, we're back. Hi. It's our Dirty Laundry, the podcast about white women sucking it up. Um. <laughs> this is technically a minisode, but whenever Mandy and I like don't have somewhere to immediately be, I worry that we will just keep talking to people. So we will try to keep it short today. Short and sweet minisode. So. Yes. And this isn't even specifically about white women, but it connects to things we've been talking about. I'm sure there's some white women fuckery involved somewhere in this topic today. That's a really mm-hmm. good point. Yeah, it's like white fuckery for sure. But now mm-hmm. I do want to like do some digging. I bet if we yeah. digged, you know, yeah. behind every great man, there stands a white woman fucking things over just as bad. <laughs> so I think that's probably what we would find. We teased it a little bit in our last episode that we were going to talk about the news that hit last week, I guess, that Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's this incredible journalist um, she's a MacArthur Genius Grant winner. The the sixteen nineteen project that she helped launch with the New York Times won the Pulitzer Prize. She actually um, has been doing a lot of sec- of, of journalism for years around school segregation. And I first became aware of her work because she did a story for This American Life that was so moving. I had to pull over on the side of the street because I was crying. It was Mm -hmm. looking into Ferguson after Michael Brown was murdered by police. Doesn't that seem like 27,000 years ago? Yes. Yes. Um, So she was really curious about what his context was like, what his community was like. And she starts to look into it. And the school that he went to that he just graduated from was considered the worst high school in the whole state and had been labeled a failing school. And it triggered all of these laws that meant that students could enroll at a different school. And then she started looking at the ways that white parents were preventing these primarily black and brown students from taking advantage of those supports and resources. If -hmm. anyone wants to listen to it, it will link to it in our blog, which is Mm -hmm. ourdirtylaundrypodcast.com, www. (laughs) com, <laughs> And we'll all link to this episode. It's called the problem we all live with. It was a two part series on this American life. And it was so profound. And it, it was, she records the, there's like a, I don't know, like a community meeting, I guess that was held in the suburban school that was designated as the spillover school for these students to go to. And the things the white parents said out loud in a gym full of people to prevent those black and brown students from coming to their kids' school Mm. was what haunted me. I mean, it was just sickening. And Mm. it follows one of the students, a black girl and her mom, and how they were trying to, like, figure out a way to make this work for her and that they had to sit in that gym and listen to these heinous things get said, just super racist, awful things. I mean, it just is a heartbreaker for sure. So she's been doing this work for a really long time. Um, and then launched the 1619 project a couple of years ago that has been an incredible resource for people, teachers. There's the podcast community that I know you love listening to. Um, but no surprise has been a like lightning rod for super conservative people to freak the fuck out. 
basically. And there was a project launched in response called the 1776 Project. 1619 refers to the year that um, enslaved Africans... That, that British settlers brought enslaved Africans to the British colonies. Right. Um, 1776 represents, you know, the, the War Revolution. of Independence, the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. And so there's this kind of pushback, like, well, that's real patriotism instead of the 1619 Project saying you can't understand U.S. history without understanding how slavery is woven into the fabric of this country, um, mm-hmm. which, again, we've talked about this before, like, facts are facts. I don't know how you deny that that i it's just angered a whole bunch of people um our family has had all sorts of arguments about it like it's a it's like an infamous project now um and she has won like i said a, a bunch of awards that she's a lot of historians um a lot of educators have really appreciated those resources mm-hmm. and others have not. So do you want to bring us up to speed on what happened to her? Yes. So she is a graduate of UNC, um, University of North Carolina. I don't know if it was the Chapel Hill division or not. I can't, I'm not, I don't know that for certain. Anyway. um, So, but UNC Chapel Hill um, has a school of journalism named the Hussman School of Journalism and Media. And they have a position um, called the night chair um, that they is basically it's a tenured position that they award to a certain individual to teach at the journalism and media school. One of the things about it is that it's the whole chair is meant to be for like journalists, reporters. It's not necessarily meant to be an academic um, person who they're promoting into this. Like I assume most university tenure chair positions are people who are more like PhD researcher, whatever. Yes, um, yes. But this one is specifically f- supposed to be for reported journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so they announced that she would be that chair position. And apparently it always just comes, it has always just come with tender like, or tenure. Sorry. That is the, um, basically how it's operated that you just get tenure with that chair position. Um, and I'm sure you can explain tenure much better to me. <laughs> since this well, let me do just like a little side. No, this is, I have tenure right now. I've mentioned mm-hmm. this before that I have resigned my job as of July 15th, but um, yes, I'm currently a tenured professor and I think there's a lot of confusion about it or um, like stereotypes about it. So sometimes people will say, Oh, it means you can't get fired. It's a job for life. And mm-hmm. you definitely can still be removed. There just needs to be due process and mm-hmm. like significant reason. The, the, what tenure does is it provides protections. Like it makes it much more difficult to remove you, um, in order to protect you to do the research that you need to do to speak truth to power. So for example, Mm -hmm. um, in Pennsylvania, there was a researcher that was researching about fracking and was finding like, Oh shit, fracking does a lot of damage while their fracking is making a shit ton of money for people. The government's making a lot of money off of it. And so there were efforts to try to shut down his research. If you have tenure protections, it allows you to keep sharing information that the public needs that might not be information that people in power want to get out. Another reason Mm -hmm. tenure is really helpful is it allows you to do longitudinal studies. So if you're worried that from any given year that your contract might not be renewed, 
the, you would only do research projects that take like six months to do nine months to mm-hmm. do, but there are lots, especially like medical research or other kinds of scientific research that really benefit from people being able to do multi-year studies. And if you don't mm-hmm. know that you're going to have a job, it's really hard to set those up and it's hard to get those going. So the idea is like research and development depend upon people having more job security so that they can map out these long projects. So both yeah. to be able to follow the conclusions where they lead you and report them and not be afraid that you're going to get fired because the governor doesn't like what you have to say, or, you know, this rich donor doesn't like what you have to say, and it allows you to do longer term stuff. So okay. that's what so it is. So for sure, at least the first one would be the one that Nicole Hannah-Jones yes. probably would benefit <laughs> yeah. from because, yes. as we just said, a lot of her yes. reporting is not popular among conservative um, people. So then UNC announced last week that she would have the chair position, but that it is not coming with tenure like it usually would. And there's like this five-year period. Um, so she's been offered a five-year term, and then the tenure review will take place at the end of that term. So it's basically like a let's give you a few years to see if you behave yourself and don't mm-hmm. piss anybody off, mm-hmm. and then you could be up for tenure. But within that time, you got to watch yourself, which well, then I, defeats the purpose. Yes, I mean I will say like when job. I got hired, you know, they like when you get hired as a junior professor, an assistant professor, you usually have a third year review, and then you have have another couple of years and then you go up for tenure and you put your package together and it's like this really elaborate, stressful thing that gets reviewed by outside people, gets reviewed by inside people, and then it gets approved by your colleagues that are more senior, by your dean, by your provost, by the president, by the board of regents or whoever like oversees the university system. So it has to go through all of these different checks. So most people get hired and have this like probationary period. But for really high profile scholars and people, or if someone's being recruited away because they're just like kick ass scholar, mm-hmm. um, th- there are, you know, lots of examples Automatic where people will tenure. be offered tenure. Like we've reviewed it. We know you are amazing. We want you here. Yeah. yeah. So it happens yeah. for sure. So, but you would think she would fall under that. Okay. So now I do see where in the stuff I'm looking at, she did graduate from UNC Chapel Hill. She actually graduated from the, I don't know if it's Hussman or Huseman school herself in 2003. So she's a graduate of this journalism school that was then offering her this job. Um, so there's a whole lot of, as you might guess, political fuckery behind this leading to why she was not offered tenure. Um, So here's another thing about higher education that I don't really understand. So, (laughs) Ask There's, me anything. Yeah, yeah. Tell me if you know about this. What is the deal with um, what is it called? Like the governors, the board, the board of governors, the board of governors. Yes. That's what it yes. is. So, this what is, a is great that question. about? Okay, I feel like we should have a new theme song, like "Higher Ed with Katie." Like, I really <laughs> don't know a ton about my own employer. Like, usually you get hired on and you pay attention to your scholarship and teaching and like the machinations. Is that how you say that word? Machinations, machinations, machinations. Don't know. Uh, whatever. Somebody the, tell the us the workings of the institution. You you know, people try to ignore sometimes because there can be a lot of drama, but I do know the answer to this question. So 
in public universities, they're called different things in different um, states or like the Commonwealth of Virginia. They're called different things. In Iowa, they're called the Board of Regents. In um, North Carolina, they're called the Board of Governors. But it's basically a board of people, like a panel of people appointed by the governor that oversee the public institutions in the state. So they issue some rules. Often they are in charge of saying yes or no to tuition increases. Like they they have, in, in some ways, it's kind of like a school board for a K-12 school district. It's kind of mm. like that, except people, I don't, I don't know of any that people straight up elect them. I've only heard yeah. of them being appointed by the governor. Yep. So of course yep. it's like super politicized. And often the board of regents, you would hope would be like esteemed, faculty from the day back in the day. No, they're usually like rich muckety muck and Mm -hmm. dildo McFart person. Like they're just people (laughs) that gave a ton of money to the governor and are friends with them. They're like, and sometimes they have like an interest in education, like a philanthropic interest, but they're usually super wealthy donor people who get these jobs. Yeah. Who in the case of UNC Chapel Hill looks like maybe super rich people with an interest in like destroying higher education? I don't know. (laughs) Well, it depends on the state, right? Like if you have a governor who is in that mindset, who has that agenda of thinking that college campuses are radical indoctrination stations and that that's where students go to like become gay or whatever. Like, and and I know, and and whatever. I know I am painting in broad strokes and I probably should be like more thoughtful about how I categorize this critique, but it is really frustrating because I'm in a place right now where this is like on steroids. So there's just this sense that campuses are left-wing indoctrination machines. Um, We could do a whole other episode about that. Sometimes I have lots of thoughts and experiences about why that stereotype exists, um, despite there not being a ton of evidence that systemically that that is actually what's happening. Um, So they have this idea that they don't want that to happen or they want just like in K-12, they want public money to be used for private purposes. And so they don't necessarily want to fund the public institutions. They, you know, want to have them raise money. What's interesting, what's frustrating about public universities is they will simultaneously cut state funding and cap tuition so how are you supposed to operate in an era yeah. when you have rising costs? Then basically that pushes it off onto trying to just raise a ton of money from donors or grants. And that's where you mm. try to make up the difference um, mm-hmm. or cut costs big time at universities like ours, where every year you have fewer staff supporting you. I mean, that's just how, how it works. So, mm-hmm. or how it's been working right now, there's nothing inevitable about that. It's like a very coordinated effort. So in states like North Carolina, like Iowa, like other places where you have a legislature and a governor that are like all kind of on this mission and have the same ideological view that universities are left wing bastions, then you are focused on taking them down. There is another path and another strategy that maybe we'll get into the Koch brothers. I'm Robert Mm -hmm. and Charles Koch. People probably heard of. I used to work at George Mason University where they have given a gazillion dollars and actually like helped it become a university and then found they fund like think tanks they fund lines for professors and 
the university will say there aren't strings attached, but you cannot tell me that a university president is not accepting, you know, $30 million from someone with no strings attached. There's right. just no fucking way. So the, the idea is, and they've been super explicit about this, that they are trying to bring libertarian super capitalist ideas to campuses and infiltrate campuses in that way and like use them to get support for these policies as like a pipeline. It's it's a very public strategy. I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat. Like they've been super upfront that that's what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, it's either let's like take it all down or let's try to make it do what we want it to do. Yeah. Yeah. So in that vein, um, ever since UNC announced that Hannah Jones was getting this night chair appointment, they have been getting pressure from conservative groups um, who are not happy with that appointment because they don't like her research. And it comes back to this um, board of governors because Mm -hmm. these conservative groups then have ties to the Republican activists who then have influence on who the governor appoints to the The board board of of governors governors. for Mm -hmm. the public schools. So while this um, article that I read said they were clear that the decision not to give tenure was not the board of governors, but who oversee all the public schools, but the board of trustees specifically at UNC Mm -hmm. Chapel Hill, um, They made the decision. However, there's just this overall climate that's very clear, I guess, from the Board of Governors, um, where they're still, it's like exerting all of this control over what happens on individual campuses, even if they, I mean, it's kind of like they get to stand back and like wash their hands of, we didn't do this, we didn't make this decision, but it's like very clear that this was the decision that was supposed to be made. Um, So yes, there has been a very, this is rightward turn. Um, in basically the board of governors in North Carolina since 2010. Um, anyway, that's well, where I don't know if you read about this, but I, I wanted to make sure we talked about someone who's on the board of governors. This was a guy mm-hmm. I didn't know about art Pope. Did you come across okay. him when you Mm-mm. were doing your dive? So mm-hmm. it looks like he's on the board of governors through July, 2021. And when he was appointed, um, the there were people on the left who were super upset because he is a conservative businessman and political donor. Um, And that's, he's a multimillionaire and that's kind of his background. And so he's now someone who's basically bought a spot on this board that oversees all sorts of decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just this. And like you said, like sort of makes the climate. So he has been, bankrolling all sorts of good times in North Carolina, funding organizations that supported their bathroom bill that they had in 2016, mm-hmm. funding climate change denial campaigns um, in redistricting, also known as gerrymandering in North Carolina, um, and is a friend of the Koch brothers, um, part of the same like um, foundations or groups like Americans for Prosperity. So it's like this network of people. And he actually was a student at UNC Chapel Hill back in the 70s. And apparently this is insane. And I had to like make sure that this was right. But he sued in 1975. Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke 
spoke at UNC. And apparently the black student movement um, like protested. And so Art Pope as a student, as a freshman, sued Uh the president of the black student movement for disruption, which could have led to his expulsion from school. And that was Art Pope. Oh my gosh. How is this like so fitting into the story? Can you just imagine this 18 year old little prick thinking (laughs) that he like (laughs) knows best and he's going to exert his little, I mean, he clearly has no power or standing on his own volition because he's fucking 18 and apologies to 18 year olds. But (laughs) unless you're like Greta Thunberg, you haven't done shit. And that's just the truth. Um, (laughs) But like, so if you think you have, it's for sure your privilege that has gotten I mean, you to that point. There are definitely eighteen-year-olds who've done way more than I have. They, I they've will, done. Like, yes, shout they've out done to the great few activists who are killing it right now. There are, but the but this douchebag wasn't they, one of them. I am I guessing no. I mean, unless you <laughs> consider suing the president of the Black Student Movement for disruption for interrupting the Klan leader as he's giving a speech. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the kind of activism we want young people involved in for <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I really, I do think it connects all this history so much. There's an episode of this other podcast that I love called You're Wrong About. And I want to link to it as well, because it talks about the history of political correctness, where mm-hmm. that came from, and its connection to conservatives freaking out about college campuses way back in the 1980s, even. And you mm-hmm. listen to the like hyperbolic freakouts that aren't really based on much evidence at all, but that take over the narrative and then people think that it's true and then they support policies based on the fact that they think these scare stories like urban myths are true. Yeah. So the I will I strongly, 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 strongly encourage everybody to listen to it because it was an absolutely fascinating dive into the last several decades and where Mm. this comes from. And it's like the, like how people might say like, Oh, wee woo, here comes the woke police. Like in the seventies and eighties, it was people freaking out about being PC. Like, Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. not being politically correct. Lock me up. Um, But really it was all built on these myths and the myths that were super cultivated by conservative ideologues to try to whip up this frenzy. So at the same time, PS that it's very akin to and was also parallel to efforts to try to freak people out about abortion that did not used to be a polarizing issue. It did not used to be like a left right thing or like a really a hot button issue at all, but it was made into one um, in order to like garner support for the Republican party. And so the same is true about like college campuses. We've got to protect our babies going to college. Like all of that is happening at the same time, it was one of the best episodes mm. I've listened to in a long okay. time. So go I'm there because this is just the latest chapter. And I don't know if we mentioned this, if people don't know that Nicole Hannah Jones is a black woman. She's mm. actually, I I feel like I'm bragging. Mm. I've met her in person mm. and I love all that she does, but she grew up in Iowa. And so years ago, of course she did. I know she grew up in Waterloo, <laughs> Iowa. And she, I heard her talking about it and invited her to come and speak at this summer class that I taught about the history of anti-black racism in Iowa. And she came and like wanted to hang out with her mom who still lives in Waterloo. Um, And her Mm -hmm. mom is actually a white woman. um, And she was part of the busing that happened, which we talked about actually a few minisodes ago about 
how busing oh, yeah. was one of the solutions to try to disrupt racial residential segregation in schools. And yeah. so she, as a child was part of that in Waterloo, Iowa. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's clearly like racist, sexist nonsense that's happening here. And it's part of this much longer freak out around campus politics. Right. And this strategy that seems to be in play, especially at least in North Carolina, and I'm guessing in other board of governor things is that there was this whole agenda that they wanted to get new board members in there to create this more right leaning um, climate, I guess, in the yeah. public school um, area. But it's not just like we want to bring a little moderation, like they think it's super far left. So let's bring it back to center. It's right. like, we're going to take over and make this as right wing as we possibly can to the point where there were even more where they said there were moderate board members and administrators who were very loyal Republicans who were either pushed out or quit themselves because wow. they were not comfortable with wow. the level of extreme conservatism that the board of governors was being pushed yeah. to. I'm like, just emblematic, at least I see, of no, everything sure. happening yeah. in the fucking Republican Party. Just, well, <laughs> I mean, it is it is really hard. I mean, I have people I love dearly who identify as Republicans, have been, like, you know, have raised money, have donated money, have voted Republican who are like, what is happening? What is going on? I can't be part of this. And my, like, I do feel for them. Like I can yeah. look back at history and say like, you should have seen this one coming. Like, it's not a big surprise, but I, I don't think any of this has to be partisan. I think that mm -hmm. is the part that makes me so frustrated is that learning about racism, learning about the history of racism absolutely has no need to be a partisan issue. Yeah. These are the things that happen. We ought to look at them. We ought to make sense of them. We should think about what it means for us today and what our responsibilities are and how to make things right. That Those questions are questions to debate and deliberate about. But the fact that these things happen and mattered, it's that in no way does it's that need to be debate. a partisan issue. Yeah, it's, it's bananas to me that it would be mm -hmm partisanized in this way. I mean, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, the, the efforts are all over the country too. I know I keep talking about Iowa, but this is where I live and where I work and what has been happening, but there was even a proposal. Well, one bill made it really close to passing this year to get rid of tenure completely, mm -hmm. um, which would really have destroyed the universities in Iowa, which are huge economic engines. I mean, there would have been a terrible ripple effect and already it's been a chilling effect for people. Um, but they just said like, why should you have a job for life? That's stupid. It protects, you know, these ideological people just to say whatever they want. It's just such a fundamental misunderstanding of what mm -hmm. professors do and what tenure is, et cetera. Um, but there was another bill that didn't make it as far uh, where they wanted all of the faculty to register as their their political affiliation and then have equity. So if your department had like, oh, you know, 80 percent people who identified as Democrats, well, then you mm -hmm. need to hire some more Republicans. It is batshit crazy. Like, let's, let's again just, to your point. Like, why is this becoming this? These things are not political issues. They're not. What no, is, <laughs> they're not partisan at all. And it. Well, the other thing that made me so mad about that is like, okay, so then you're presuming that no matter what, I will always 
be a Republican or I will always be a Democrat. Yeah. Like people change their minds. They grow and evolve and they right. might like nobody is that static. That's weird. Well, let's also then extend that to maybe the boardrooms of like Goldman Sachs yeah, right, right. or, you Which know, any of the would, oil you know, companies. Like, like let's I mean, make sure there's equity up there in the board of It's such a XYZ. weird, <laughs> twisted way to look at it. And I, I mean, here's what I will say. Like, I don't want people worried that their perspective or their values don't matter in my classroom, let's say. Of course mm-hmm. they do. And I need to be responsible and ethical about that for sure. I am because I am a professional person and that is my job. It is quite another thing to just make presumptions like, oh, somehow that's going to fix everything as if we have 50% people who think this and 50% people who think that. That also presumes that everyone who identifies as a Republican believes everything exactly the same and everyone Mm -hmm. who identifies as Democrat believes exactly the same, which, of course, is not the case at all. It's so reductive and stupid. So it just like all of that is to say all of this is part of the like larger effort. And often it's under the guise of like getting politics out of public schools when it's just introducing more politics, political agenda (laughs) ever. Um, The other little tidbit I wanted to point out was that this does happen in the K-12 schools that the Koch brothers fund groups like the bill of rights Institute that provides all sorts of free curriculum to teachers and teachers are hard up for free stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they'll take it and they'll use it. And it's like, propaganda from this conservative think tank trying to create people who believe in libertarianism. Mm. So it is everywhere. It is powerful. And Nicole Hannah Jones as a black woman is just like the latest incident um, in this. So I don't, did it say whether she's going to take the job? I didn't see that. I think, I mean, it seems that she still is. She did. I did read. She did not come out like specifically and address this. She tweeted something about, you know, thank you for everybody's support. Um, Mm -hmm. and basically kind of like a, I, you know, I'll deal with this. I've got this. And I, she said something like, I won't disappoint you, you know, just, which is just kind of a, the position we'd put people in shit. I mean, this whole story though, gives me more motivation to look into whatever is going on in my, you know, state board of governors, board of regents, whatever it is, see what, who's on those boards, what kind of connections they have, what kind of bent they may have and are going through. Cause there's, so the article I did want to shout out that I was mainly working from was um, on slate and -hmm. it was written by Rebecca onion um, and it's called the real reason UNC Chapel Hill is withholding tenure from Nicole Hannah Jones. So we mm-hmm. can link to that as well. But she also goes into some other like shady shenanigans that the board of governors has done at UNC Chapel Hill in the past few years, like including basically shutting down the university's center on poverty, work and opportunity. Um, yeah. Then yeah. also there was the um, statue that was, I think, on campus called the Silent Sam statue, which was the Sons of Confederate Veterans Group, mm-hmm. the statue that was toppled by student activists in 2018. Mm-hmm. Then the Board of Governors made negotiations to then get that statue that was taken down and give it to um, the Sons of the Confederate Veterans Group with $2.5 million to support the statue's maintenance. Ew! Right. 
So <laughs> there's a lot of other shit that's going on with this board of governors. It's clearly out there as far as the conservative bent goes, but that well, guy, that stuff I'm... could be going on everywhere. It oh, can be going sure. on. And I'm sure it is in lots of places. And we've got to be more on top of that. Well, it's why local elections matter so yes. much. I know they're not sexy, but those like off years when it's not the presidential election and people sit it out, which we know happens because the mm-hmm. voter turnout is so much lower on those off years. But voting for governor, voting for your state reps and state senators, voting for your local school boards, like mm-hmm. those decisions are monumental because they will play a huge role in, in what gets funded, what gets required, what gets banned. Like all of that is going to matter in terms of what's happening in publicly funded institutions like schools, like universities, um, and that, yeah, I want, I want us to do as a good a job as we can paying attention to all yeah. of that. So homework assignment from the mini. So today go to a quick Google in your state, see who controls, um, decisions for your public education, higher education institutions and dig into it a little bit. Well, and see who's running for your local elections, because a lot yeah. of people have already announced um, for this November, if you have local elections, people are already running. And so check that out, see what's happening, see if there are candidates that you really want to support, see if there are candidates that freak you out, who you want to make sure don't mm-hmm. get into office. Um, I'm guessing wherever anybody is that there would be people who fall into both of those buckets. Um, yeah. And we will post these links at our dirty laundry podcast.com. I'm really awesome. glad that you brought this up because it's frustrating and kind of chilling. Um, and it, you know, the other thing I wanted to say about concerns about like the politicization of schools and keep in mind, this is like literally what I do for a living. So I've got a lot to say. That's why I'm going to this 34 minutes long, but when you learn things, you might change your mind about your values. You yeah. might change your mind about how you think the world works. That's yes. the point of learning. Yeah. So to me, <laughs> because someone changes their mind as a result of learning, doesn't mean that's evidence of indoctrination yeah. or because no. you can say, wow, the people who are in this field who have incredible expertise tend to believe these other things doesn't mean to me that there's some like conspiracy out there. It means that when people learn things, they come to certain realizations like that's possible. And I want, you know, like I want us to keep an open mind. I want people to care about facts. I want people to dive into rabbit holes and try to figure out what's going on and like, you know, really consider perspectives and bias and like all of that. I want people to be critical thinkers with open minds. Like that helps everybody to have Mm -hmm. that. And so this, you know, the idea that, you know, that somehow hearing these facts will like predetermine what somebody does or thinks is not true. And like keeping them from it, saying that we don't want people to learn these things like full stop is such a clear political agenda. And to yeah. to say that that is like a way to, quote, keep politics out of school is just the biggest red flag and pile of horse manure that Mm -hmm. exists. It's just a pile with a flag on top, like a little (laughs) cocktail umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, a sleight of hand magic trick. Like don't look here while Mm -hmm. I pull this out from under you. I mean, yeah. 
For sure. All right. Well, that was informative. <laughs> now Probably I feel bored like I know people more. with all of my details <laughs> of the life of tenured people, but hopefully well, that, that I liked put it. it into context a little bit. I'm glad we got Stark. <laughs> yeah. And thank you all for listening. We will be back at you on Friday with more mm-hmm. about slavery. So okay. get ready <laughs> for that. In honor of Nicole Hannah Jones too, and we'll we'll tap into all of her great work. Yeah. Be damned, Art Pope and the Board of Governors. You <laughs> right. can't stop us. <laughs> all right. All right. Have a Casey, good week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.